So glad that all of you are here. John chapter 13, verse 35. This has been our key scripture over the last month. This is Jesus speaking, and he says this, by this, everybody say this, all will know that you are my disciples if, everybody say if, you have love one for another. There is a theme in religion that we're all going the same place, that all roads lead to heaven, all dogs go to heaven, all cats go to hell because they're satanic, but you cat people need Jesus in your life, I'm just saying, but... There, there are all these opinions. If you like cats, God will forgive you, I think. But there is this theme that everyone's going to end up. If I'm a good person or if I do enough charitable works or if, if I think enough good thoughts, if I send out enough positive vibes, like whatever it is that, that is happening in the trend at that particular moment, this is the theme. But I want you to know there is a difference between a child of God and a child of religion. And Jesus is making a very clear distinction. He says there is only one identifier that lets the world who doesn't know Jesus know that you are a disciple of Jesus if you have love one for another. And we've been in this series for the last few weeks. We've, we've learned all the different various aspects of it. And today we're, we're starting the, bringing this big this big. Uh, big old huge airplane, this B-1 bomber, we're bringing it down this week and next week, going into the month of October with a a series that's going to pick up on the back of where this one leaves off. But today is all about community. Everybody say community. And in this series, we've been teaching some how-to things. And the how-to that I'm going to teach you today is how to live in common. Everybody say in common. There's a lot of people that believe community is nothing more than connection. And you can find the basic introduction to community when you connect with other people. And and sadly, the church has gotten into this practice of simply connecting, providing connections. And if you've been coming to NOLA Church any length of time, in fact, Joe just talked a little bit about this. We're getting ready to start up new groups and all this. Our groups are not designed just to get you connected. That is a definite part of why we do them because we need godly connections but we want there to be something more than just simply a social connection because you don't need to go to church to have a social connection right you got social connection with the people you work with people at your school people that live in the neighborhood where you live connections happen whether we try or not we're going to be connected and if connection was all that mattered and if connection was the only thing that was important there would be no difference between the people of God and the people not of God But there is a strong distinction between the two. And God has called me as pastor of NOLA Church to begin laying some distinctions so that we can understand that as we begin to chase the next that God has prepared for this congregation, that we're going into the next decade chasing truth and not religion. So I want to teach you some how-tos. I'm going to do some teaching. I'm probably, knowing me, I'm going to probably do some preaching as well. I kind of do some teaching. I'm probably going to yell a little bit. I'm probably going to dance a little bit. I may even imitate Disney, like whatever it takes. We're going to have fun in the house of God today, amen? Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be spending some time in Acts chapter 2 today. And while you're turning there, I want to kind of give you some understanding of what we've covered so far to lay some foundation for today. There are three primary commonalities of the church 
that Jesus built. I'm not talking about the church that religion built. I'm not talking about the church that Constantine built. I'm not talking about the church that Calvin built. I'm not talking about the church that any denomination built. I'm talking about the church that Jesus built. There are three primary commonalities, and these commonalities are unity, devotion, and evidence. Everybody say unity. unity. Now y'all are too quiet. Say unity. unity. Say devotion. devotion. Say evidence. evidence. And make sure you're saying it with me. You're tracking where I'm going. In unity, there are three distinct types of unity. There was a unity of connection, a unity of experience, and a unity of empowerment. And this is what we see at the beginning of Acts chapter 2. The church that Jesus built started in the same place. And if you go to any denominational church or non-denominational church or liturgical church, you're going to find out that there are various foundations where people go back and they, they trace their birth back. And they, this is how we do this. But you have to understand the church that Jesus built had a unity in everything that they did. There was a connection they were unified in. There was an experience and there was also a divine empowerment that they were unified around. It was three or 400 years later until people started pushing away from the things that God had planned. Now you fast forward to where we are now and there are people that, are, they, they will stop short in their journey to salvation and say, well, this is all that I need because that's what I've been taught. And let me just tell you, God doesn't want anyone to stay in, in the pre-stages. God has more for you no matter where you've been, no matter what you've experienced, there's always something more that God has for you. And the church that he is birthing in us and the church that we are connecting to, that we are a part of, is unified in the direction that he's going. There was also a commonality in devotion. And we, we learned a couple of weeks ago that the devotion was to the apostles' doctrine, also to connection and remembrance of what Jesus had already done, and then also to prayer. These are very, very important elements because you can't have true biblical community. In fact, you can't have true biblical connection without a devotion to the apostles' doctrine, a devotion to connection and remembrance of what Jesus did, and a devotion to prayer. Anytime there's a connection without these strong foundations, you're missing the divine element that takes us to a different place. But there was also something that we, we began to dive into in the last week about signs and wonders and then the evidence of empowerment. This is the commonality of evidence. Everybody say evidence. And regardless of what your denominational or faith background has been, you may begin to establish and define evidence as something else. But there is a clearly defined evidence in the book of Acts that we see that the church that Jesus built had this evidence. And I'm believing that God, as he begins to lead NOLA Church into the next, whether you're here in the New Orleans area or one of our nine locations in the nation of Kenya, or whether soon to be our location in Lodge, Albania, I am so excited about that. It doesn't matter where we are, what God entrusts to us, we're going to start with a foundation of the evidence that God is in the house. If we're ever just going through the motions, we need to stop. We need to back up and say, let's lose ourselves and get lost in who he is. Amen. And so this is the three primary commonalities. Let me ask you this question. Unity, devotion, and evidence, just like we see in the book of Acts. I wonder how many of those commonalities can still be found in the postmodern church today. I wonder how many of us are locked into these three commonalities. 
I wonder how many of us would say, well, that's not for me or I'm going to stop short. I wonder how many would say, I may not have been taught that, but I'm ready to go to another level. So there's some things that I want to unpack for you as foundation because today, just if this is your first time here, first off, welcome home. So glad you came. Hope to see you again soon. Get involved in a small group. Come hang out with us. We got trunk or treat night coming up and there's probably going to be a big massive gumbo cook for everybody. Just come hang out. It's, whew, you don't even know. So I'm excited for gumbo weather. I'm not wearing this sweatshirt because it's cold. In fact, as soon as church is over, I got to take this sucker off. I did it to market the new merch. Y'all like the new merch? Anyway. anyway. No, you don't want to see that. Nobody wants to see me spin. Over 50, you don't spin. You just kind of, you just kind of move around a little bit. But what was the result of the commonalities that we see here in the church that Jesus built? The thing that you will always get about Jesus is if he starts something, if he births something, if he challenges you with something, there's always a reason, right? He never just does something in the random. There's always a bigger purpose to what he says. There's always a bigger purpose to what he does. There's always something else that's coming right around the corner. Whether you recognize it or not is immaterial, but just hang on. If you don't see it, it is coming, amen? So what is the result of the commonalities that we see here? And the bulk of today's sermon is gonna be spent in two verses of scripture in Acts chapter two, verse 44 and verse 45. And here's, here's what it says. All who believe were together. How many were together? All. Let me try that again. How many were together? All. How many were not together? None. Exactly. That, that, those two words define the early church. All and none. They were all doing it and none of them were not doing it. Everybody was doing it. Nobody wasn't doing it. You, you, you didn't have the person that was kind of like half in, half out. You, you didn't have that because if you were in, you were running from the law, breaking the law, breaking the law. Breaking. You couldn't play with your belief in the first century. Now we have the luxury of it. We have the luxury of playing with our belief. We have, a, we have the luxury of, oh, it's, it's just a passive part of my life. God is an app that I've added to my life and I, I, I tap on him when I need a little something. I'm bored, I'm driving down the road, which is what they do in New Orleans. I get in the fast lane and pull my phone out because that's the right thing to do. I will never understand this. God help the drivers in the GNO. They need to learn to put their phone in their pocket. And leave that fast lane for all those people with ticket money because you're driving too slow. Just saying. Has nothing to do with the sermon, but you needed to know that. All who were together had some commonalities. First, they believed. Belief is not just the acknowledgement of the divine. That's what religion has defined it as. Religion says, oh, you, you know there's a God? Oh, you're a believer. No, I'm sorry, that's not the case. True biblical belief is defined as someone who trusts in, relies on, and obeys Jesus Christ. True belief 
starts with a mind change and is continued in a daily radical life change where every day you and I surrender our will and our passion for everything that he is. And all of the first century church that Jesus built who believed were together and notice this, they held everything in common. Everything was held in common. I want you to understand this, their unity and their devotion directly impacted and was evidenced in their day-to-day lives. They remained connected every day. There was not this thing of, I'll see my church family in three or four weeks when I check back in. They saw the value in a daily connection. And by the way, don't don't get weird where you feel like you got to connect with everybody every day. No, No, you can't even do that. If you got 10 friends in your life, first off, you're blessed if you have 10 close friends in your life, but you can't even connect with all 10 of them in one day. That's impossible. There's only 24 hours in the day. But they made it a very intentional purpose to remain connected. They wouldn't go three to four, five, six, seven, eight weeks without being connected. They didn't just connect one day a week. They didn't just wait till the day that it came time to worship to connect where you had to tell your whole life story in the 15 minutes before church started or the five minutes before the next song because you got to church a little bit late and you missed. Oh, goodness. I'm meddling. I'm sorry. Y'all just y'all pray for me that I stop meddling and make heaven my home. But. You, you, you have to learn the value of staying connected. If the only time you see your church family is on that two to two and a half hours on Sunday that you spend with them, you are missing something that Jesus Christ designed to keep you on the straight and narrow path because you cannot do it by yourself. Well, I have other friends. That's awesome. Good, good for you. But you also need your church family. I have friends. I have some very, very close friends. They know way too much about me, but I have family. My family are not always my friends, but they're always my family. And one of the reasons family is not always my friends is because some, some, sometimes family looks at me like, I don't like what you're doing. Because sometimes what I'm doing needs to be challenged, right? And friends sometimes can't be the ones that do it. Family, like you can't get shook of family no matter what you try because blood binds you. And you've got to understand this. When you believe, you trust, you rely, and you obey, you are in the family of Jesus Christ. You're not getting out of here without family knowing you're checking out. And whenever you try to do life on your own and you push away from the thing that God designed to keep you strong, your connections become very, very, very surface. And this is where we start reaching for affirmation for things outside of the plan of God. Next thing you know, people who don't even know us, people who are not even on the same pathway with us, begin to affirm where we are. And then we wake up and realize, wait, wait, where is my church family? Because God has the church chasing the next and we're chasing daily affirmation. The church that Jesus built spent day by day in each other's lives. Not everybody, but there was a close circle, a knit group of people that were in life together and they knew each other. And then when they would come together to worship together, whatever that looked like in their setting, they didn't have to spend time getting caught up because they already knew what was going on in each other's lives. You begin to see an evidence 
of their divine connection. You, you see how quiet it got in here? Let me just say, I'm not mad at anybody. Nobody needs to be mad at me. I love you. Look at your neighbor and say, Pastor loves you. Y'all don't believe that. I can tell that. But here's the deal. The enemy has intentionally designed religion to segregate people. You've got religion saying that women can't teach to create division. You've got religion saying that white people and black people and brown people and orange people and tan people and all the other colors of people and the pink people, because white people are actually pink, but at least I am. I don't know about y'all. We can't do life together. You have other divisions. Republicans can't worship with Democrats. None of them can worship with socialists or quasi-socialism, whatever it happens to be, this flavor of the month. People that are vaccinated can't worship with other vaccinated people or people who aren't vaccinated. If you don't believe in mass, oh, I can't. I can. Notice the division. Notice the div- That's not from God. God is trying to bring the family together. The enemy says if the family ever gets together, Katie, bar the door. So I'm going to do whatever I can to create divisions. Men and women need to be separate. Old and young needs to be separate. Black and white and all the other needs to be separated. Let's create divisions. And there is no unity in division. There's division and everybody begins to chase their own truth. And the truth of Jesus Christ sadly disappears in this setting. Commonality, common union, living in common is devoted to our foundation. Our foundation is not in any of the things that divide us, but in the one true living God who brings us together. I may not agree with you about everything. And if it's a Monday, I probably don't even agree with myself. But one thing we already know, Jesus Christ lived died, resurrected for every person in this house and every person that we can come in contact with. Jesus loves everybody. There's nothing you can believe that would make Jesus not love you. There's nothing you can do that would make Jesus walk away from you. So my heart is gonna be open to you no matter what. This is what we see in the first century church. There was an evidence that they were devoted to unity and devotion to the apostles' doctrine. They remain connected and they remain devoted. They weren't chasing the theology trend of the day. They were going back to what the apostles who had walked and talked with Jesus for three and a half years were speaking. Well, what were they speaking? That's a fantastic question. You should be asking that question. They went to the left side of the book and that's what they taught. Is it any wonder that modern religion says, oh, you don't need the Old Testament. Isn't it any wonder that we take the whole left side of the book and throw it out because we think it has no application? I just need the four Gospels. Don't make me read Acts. That's where things got weird. I like what Paul wrote until it challenges me, and then I'm pretty sure he was, you know, full of it. Revelation ain't a happening day that that's going to be read. We push away from the things that challenge us, but you have to understand the first century church was devoted to the doctrine that God had breathed in to these spiritual leaders, and that is where we've got to get back. Because it's when we get back to this devotion and this unity 
that we can begin to see the result that they saw. Let's, let's look at verse 45. Notice what happened. And everybody's real quick to say, oh, there was great spiritual things happening. Like people came in, they had a word for each other. Somebody wanted to speak in tongues. Somebody wanted to run. Like, okay, cool. But let's take that and put it on the shelf for a second. There was an evidence that happened in their lives that had nothing to do with spiritualism at any level. This is not preached in today's church until now. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person who's ever preached this, but... It, not that arrogant, but I, I promise you this is not common because this is a challenge on another level. Bump your neighbor and say, he's getting ready to challenge you. They held everything in common, verse 45, and they, everybody say they. they. Who was they? And they began selling their property and possessions and distributing the proceeds to everyone. Who was getting the whatnot? Notice that last phrase, as anyone had need. But even this was not just done willy-nilly or just random or chaotically. If you look over in Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 35, you actually see the divine order that God put in place for this distribution to take place. But I want you to see this. Now, now here's the mistake that, that it would be very, very easy to make. It'd be extremely easy to make this mistake. The early church sold their stuff and gave everything away. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to sell all our stuff and give everything away. If you're going to be a part of this church, sell all your stuff and we're going to give it all away. Give it away, give it away. That's not what happened. You will never find, if you start at the beginning of the book of Acts and read to the end of the book of Acts, you will never find the apostles standing in front of the people saying, hey, y'all, sell your stuff, give it away. That's not what was happening. That's political, that's religious. Neither politics nor religion will ever bring anyone to an eternal life. If I mandate it from the stage, it's not a move of God. But when you and I can get so devoted to the word of God and allowing Jesus Christ to be our source instead of everything that we think is our source, including ourselves. And we can get to that place where a reverential awe begins to be evidenced in every part of our life. We go to work expecting God to give us the words to speak to one of our co-workers who's going through absolute hell when we check our religious capes at the door and say, no, it's not about me. It's not about anything I've got. When we lean into this, God is going to begin speaking into the church individual by individual. And when you see a need in your community, in your family, Something rises up, not something, someone rises up on the inside of you and says, hey, that's my child, that's your spiritual family. You've got what they need. Share it with them. This is radical, y'all. Like pastors wanting us to move out onto a big plot of land and live in tents. No, we're not occupying the world. That, no. That's weird. You got to have toilets and stuff. That, that's a necessity. We ain't, we're not going to do that. Ew. Not asking us to be weird. God's not asking us to be weird. He's asking us 
to allow him to lead us into a place of such deep unity that we're no longer too proud to say, I'm in need. And that we're no longer so puffed up that we can't overflow because we're scared of losing what little bit we have. I'm going to try. Let's lean into this a little bit more. Their unity and their devotion didn't just bring them to a strong foundation. Their unity and their devotion got them into a place where the Spirit of God literally compelled them to radical action that also served as additional evidence. The first evidence was that the power of God was in the house. The next evidence was whatever was needed in the house, the house simply overflowed. So, like, if this is your first time here, you picked a great day because I'm beginning to shift the direction of NOLA Church radically starting today. God is not calling us to be another religious organization. There's enough churches in the world. If, if you don't like this one, there's like within spitting distance, there's probably 45. We're in Louisiana. There, there's like churches everywhere. And if you don't want to go to any of them, you can go to online church. That's cool. Like there, you can go to church every day, everywhere. You can go to church in Australia from the comfort of your home in your underwear. It's awesome. But where God is calling this family, we call it Nola family because that's who we are. God is saying, I've got something more that is not tied to any religious foundation. It's tied to the move of my spirit. Notice this, when there was a need, they didn't just simply offer spiritual words. It's easy when someone's going through hell to say, well, I'm praying for you. That's easy. I would hope that most of the time we mean it, but I'm also pretty sure that there are times that we don't. It's very easy to say, God's your source and keep on walking. God bless you. Stay over there. Oh my God, there's drama in their life. Hey, I love you. I don't want any of your funk getting on my good day. But what if something radical could happen? Where if you're going through absolute hell, you're not ashamed to say, I'm hurting. My heart's hurting. I can't think straight. I believe, but like that guy that Jesus talked to, I believe, but help my unbelief. Anybody know what I'm talking about? In those moments where belief is there, but there's also a lot of doubt. I wonder what would happen if there would be a group of people that just said, I'm not too proud to serve. I'm not too proud to let you get close to me and learn about all my bumps and my warts and my ugh and the challenges in my life. But instead of offering spiritual platitudes that do nothing, you could take me by the hand and walk it out with me. Say, well, is this all just about mutual affirmation? No, that's not what this is about. 
has nothing to do with that as a matter of fact. It has everything to do with paving the way for who we are as a community and for what God has entrusted to us. Because when you and I are willing to lay aside what we want, not our needs, but what we want, there's a big difference between what we need and what we want. We say, I need, which is code for I want. Generally, when we say I need, it's I really, really want it. I mean, let's be real. Do I need the Range Rover, matte finish, big old rims, water buffalo leather? I mean, do I need it? First off, there's a good group of y'all that would get up and leave the church if I showed up in that. Let's just be real. I'm not saying you'd be wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that would happen. Church needs this, and a pastor rolls up in a $150,000 car asking me to give my tithe. And I'm like, I get it. Do I need it? No. Do I want it? Yeah. Am I going to get it? No. Because my father, who knows what I need before I ever step into the knee, says, you can't handle that. You're not getting that. You're going to wrap it around a tree trying to show off to somebody. You may want different things. That's what I want. <laughs> and I, I, I probably ought to test this because for like three months leading up to my 50th birthday, I, I dropped Albany's gummies and Reese's peanut butter cups. And I got like diabetes on my birthday because everybody brought so much stuff. So Range Rover, Range Rover, Range Rover. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't buy me a Range Rover. <laughs> Don't do it. I can't handle it. It wouldn't be good for me. But the things that we need are not what we want. Sometimes we don't want what we need. Sometimes we want affirmation. Or the new, the new, new is it okay if I'm just real with y'all this morning? Accountability. That's that Christianese word. I want you to hold me accountable. No, you don't. You want me to sit there and let you gossip about yourself and throw spiritualisms at you that mean nothing because you have no desire to change whatsoever. You don't want accountability. You want an ear. Accountability is, hey, you got some funk all over your robe. You're, you're, the, you're the child of God. Let's get out of this. But that's not what we want. So we... We put Christianese on it and call it accountability. I have accountability partner. Here's the deal. If you're struggling with pornography, you don't need accountability partners. You need an altar. I didn't get enough amens on that, which lets me know some of you don't believe that. If you're struggling with lust, you don't need counseling. You need the almighty God to cleanse you of all the sin. But we're ready to choose the thing that just affirms us on the surface but God has got something deeper. And real community says, you're hurting? Let's walk this out. You're struggling because you're struggling. Stop struggling. Walk away from it. It's like I tell my kids, your room is dirty because you messed it up. I ain't cleaning it. But we go to God and say, God, I added all this stuff to my life. Can you get rid of it, please? And he's like, clean up your own room. That's why I gave you repentance. No, I'm already saved, God. I'm, I'm once saved, always saved also, God. I don't know if you're aware of that, but that's, 
That's what I believe. I, I believe that. I know you don't, and your word doesn't say that, but that's what I believe. And we stop short. We stop short. And he said, no, no, if you'll just come back to me, watch what I can do in you and through you. Because I'm going to do something in your life that somebody that's sitting on the row with you needs. Not wants, needs. But, but, but what about mine? And that, that's, the, that's the other thing that we struggle with. I'd overflow, but what about my needs? Right? It's okay. We can be real. This is, this is a safe place. <laughs> they serve chai tea at the, at the coffee bar. Weighted blankets are being handed out next week. This is a safe place. Safe place. I ain't making fun. I love a weighted blanket as much as the next person. It's, they're all, I don't drink the chai tea, but like hot chocolate, we're good. Here's the thing, y'all. God wants to do something in you so you can do something for him. And then God wants to do something for Philip so Philip can turn around and do something for Tyler. So Tyler can do something for Amber and Amber ends up doing something for Davlin. And Davlin's like, oh, that was awesome. Lisa, what you need? And Lisa's going to be like, I wasn't even expecting that. Eddie, what do you need? Yeah, but what kind of church? That, that is a book of Acts church. And, well, you're just talking about monetary. Now, I'm not just talking about monetary needs. That's what they were doing. But everything in the Bible that has a physical example is a model of what should also be happening in the spiritual. We want to spiritualize everything, but there's something real and tangible that happens when you're hurting. I need to know so I can overflow what he's poured into me because there's going to be a day that I'm hurting and I need you to overflow back to me. Community is so much more than simply a connection between two people. Connection's important, but real community is the carefully designed pathway that Jesus uses to provide for his family. Anybody have physical needs in your life? Anybody got some monetary needs in your life? You can raise your hand, it's okay. See, we're already too proud, like, oh. I need $50. Or or we make it worse. Anybody need $50? Come lay a seed offering on the altar. Don't do that. Don't do that. But we'll lean into superstition. We'll lean into Christianics. I just made up a word right there because I wanted to say something else and my words got stuck in my throat. Just go with it. Define it however you want to define it. Y'all were saying, I don't know that word. I didn't know the word either. (laughs) We do all this stuff trying to act like we're spiritual. But if somebody is doing life with us and they're like, you're going out to eat? I'd love to. I can't. All right, we'll see you next week. Right? Right? My marriage is falling apart. 
We're trying separation. All right. See you at small group. My kid's on drugs. Man, did you hear about LSU? I got raped. Dude, the saints are playing today. Right? I have a need that I don't even know how to express. Oh, I can't wait till the November elections. We're going to fix all this problem or make it worse, depending on which side of the aisle you fall on. Because that's where we get caught up because we think all that stuff matters and it rolls out of our mouth as if it's important, but it's not. Meanwhile, God is saying, I called you into a family. I took the lonely, the person who stands alone, and I placed them in family first to connect them because that's where it starts. But not just to connect them, but to heal them. One of the small groups that we offer at church, we, we offer this in the spring, is called Freedom. It's an amazing small group. But how many times do we go through freedom without actually being free? We got good content, but we're not living what we teach or what we learn. That's why we're still in bondage. We got fresh start, fantastic small group. But how many times do we need a fresh start? Are we ever going to start? Are we just going to stay learning the foundations? Is, it, is this okay this morning? Real community goes beyond the surface. And Jesus designed this pathway to be more than just a social connection program in the church. He said, I want to meet the needs of everyone in the body. The church ought to meet my needs, which is code for the pastor and the staff need to come up with something to fix my issues. Nope. Pastor is part of the four gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers, five, if you believe that, cool, whatever. We're supposed to equip you to do the work of ministry. Everything that the church needs is already in the church. It's already in our hand. We just have to be willing to pry open our fingers and let out what he has already invested into us. Like Pastors after money, I promise you I'm not. But God has placed something in you that needs to come out. Because what he placed in you, she needs. And what he placed in her, he needs. What he placed in him, they need. And what he placed in this community, the world who doesn't even know who Jesus is, desperately needs. But we can't reach the world unless we're first willing to reach across the aisle and meet the need of our brother and our sister. Never let it be said that we're willing to push people out for preference and comfort. Open door. You're hurting? I got a big old shoulder. I've been working on this for 50 years and it gets bigger by the year. Come lay on me. I got you. You're hurting? I've been there. I know what it's like. You'll get no judgment from me. You'll get nothing but love.
I may not understand, but I will love you. I preach to you on Sundays, but when I'm meeting with you one-on-one, I'm not going to preach at you. I'm just going to love you. You in a small group with me? We're going to laugh more than we study. And our lives are going to grow because if you're hurting, I'm, I'm going to meet your need because I know that when I'm hurting, you're going to meet my need. This is radical shift. One last verse of scripture and then I'm going to close out today. By the way, today's sermon is actually going to end next week because I can't give you both barrels because y'all all leave. Acts 4 verse 32 says, a group of those, the group of those who believed, notice this, were of one heart and one mind. They were not intentionally dividing by preconceived notions. They were hanging on to the apostles' doctrine. They were of one heart and one mind. Notice this, and no one said that any of his possessions was his own. What is the big difference between the first century church and the postmodern church? We think Jesus was North American. And our favorite word is not praise the Lord, it's mine. Mine. I didn't like that song. That sermon was offensive. Their breath sank. I didn't want to talk to them. It's more convenient for me to park right in front of the walkway to the church where first-time guests have to walk around my car because I needed a good parking place. I, 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 honestly, I don't know if that's happened or not. It just, if it did, that's purely coincidental, I promise you. Is this okay this morning? Is it okay if we just like, it's family meeting today, y'all. We had birthday cake last week and tacos and like, hey, y'all, we're supposed to serve other people. Anybody hurting? Okay. Right this moment, I'm not. I probably will be tomorrow. But right this moment, I'm not. So whatever God has put in me, I want to give you. Because if you're hurting, I don't want you to hurt anymore. Anybody going through something? Okay. Right this moment, again, can't talk about tomorrow, but right this moment, I'm not going through anything. I'll walk with you. TJ, I love you. Come up here real quick. Come up on stage. You raised both hands, so I figured you were going through a lot. We're in this together. Here's how, here's how you deal with that. You, you got to walk with me. See, you see, are you resisting on me? And a walk. You're scared I'm going to push you off the stage, aren't you? I'm not going to push you off the stage. <laughs> I got a bad back between the two of us. Like, your bad knee, my bad back, we're like half a person. 
see, here's, here's what we do. Tell me what's going on. As if I can do anything about it. As if the details are going to change anything, I'm going to overflow. That's feeding our own pride. Stop worrying what the details are. Are you hurting? This is the best therapy. You don't need to tell me your stuff. You don't need to confess your faults to me. You need to confess your faults to one another. Hey, I'm hurting. Don't go into detail. It's none of our business. Your R-rated details are yours. Keep them to you. But come get close and let me love you. I'm hurting. You're hurting. We're hurting together. But right now, I'm a little bit stronger than you. And you're having trouble walking, so let me just carry you, bro. I don't know what's going on. I don't need to know. But I know that Jesus has you no matter what. Why am I, am I I trying to embarrass TJ? No, TJ's been my friend for almost 11 years because about 11 years ago, he walked into a small group in Laplace, Louisiana, right before Hurricane Isaac hit. And he's been a part of my family ever since. I don't know what's going on today, but I know that this man who's a friend of mine has been through a lot in 11 years. But I'm not letting go of him. Because today I'm not hurting but tomorrow I might be. So today when I'm not hurting, I'm not hoarding up good feelings. I'm just going to get as close to him as I can. Yeah, two half people going to fall off the stage here. Y'all, does this make sense? Anybody missing something in your life? Raise your hand if you're missing something in your life. Okay, I want you to look around. Look around. Hey, keep your hand up, you prideful. (laughs) See all the people with their hand up? They're missing stuff too. But I'd be willing to bet they got some of the stuff that you're missing. Anybody willing to share what you have? Is anybody willing to get real? Is anybody willing to say, I don't have all my stuff together? No, you don't need to look at me as your leader. No, you don't need to look at me as being better than you know. I'm I'm just, I'm a sheep covered in mud just like you. Let's walk through this field together. Does that make sense? You're going to stay up here and preach with me. We're going to close this out. The group of those who believe were of one heart and mind, and no one said that any of his possession was his own. But notice this, everything was held in common. Everything was held in common. Read that purple line right there. Three ways to live in common. Y'all ready? Three ways to live in common. Number one. Live in common belief. My friend had need. I had what he needed. I don't need to see right now. Put my eyes on for a second. So we're going to live in common belief. Trust in Jesus, not religion. 
Live a repentant life, not a religious life. Have a mind change and then live out a radical life change. Number two, everybody say number two. Live in common connection. Actually do life with your church family. Don't have more friends that don't go to church than you do people who are actually in your church family. Introduce your non-church friends to your church friends. If your church friends are weird, get some new church friends. Do life with your church family because they will strengthen you in your moments of weakness. When you're going through hell, your church family knows what you're walking through because you've been real with them. Live life in common connection. But y'all, this requires a mutual trust. So you're gonna have to check your pride at the door, amen? Then number three. Live in common distribution. Oh, uh, but it's mine. I can't give all that out. Right. And the reason we say that is we don't know our source. If I give that out, I'm not going to have Right, because we don't know our source. Because we think we're our source. So when I'm out of my supply, I'm out of my supply, not realizing that the one who is our source has more than we could ever need, more than we could ever want, more than we could ever ask or even think. Before we ever got into the situation, he had already provided a way of escape. So here's what we do. Here's what we do. I'm going to need my eyes back real quick. You have what I need. You... Got what I need. You say we're just a friend. Anyway, stop. 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 I don't know what's wrong with you people. Y'all need Jesus in your life. Yeah. All right. Here's how we. Here's how we live in common distribution. Okay. Y'all ready? Get your phones out. Take note. Because this is the next that Jesus is leading us into. First, identify the needs within your community. Don't Christianese check out and say all the needs live under the bridge of Highway 90 downtown. That's easy. Anyone can go to Sam's and get a crate of water and go hand it out. That's easy. But not everybody can do life with somebody and say, are you actually hurting? First, identify the needs within your community. And th- this, one's, this one's easy. Then meet the need. You got to first identify it. That takes mutual trust. Then once you identify it, meet it. But, but what, if I, what if I don't have? Okay, cool. Perfect sense. First John 3, 17. The apostle called the beloved apostle said, if you see your brother or sister in need and you shut up your bowels of compassion, how say ye that the love of the Father is in you? What does does that mean? If I have the ability to meet your need and I see you in need and I don't meet it, how do I say that I love God? Because God doesn't know me because I'm chasing me, not him. In other words, if I've got the ability to meet your need, I need to meet your need and not worry if I run out because my source has everything 
that I need. And if I am busy pouring out into my friend TJ, Renzo's going to pour out into me. And Tim's going to pour out into Renzo. Y'all see how that works? God is already meeting the need. Love you, bro. Thanks for preaching with me. You got to first identify the needs and then you got to meet them. Here's the deal, y'all. Why, why, why is this important? This is the end of part one. Part two is next Sunday. I know, this, I know this is a little different. I can honestly say I've never brought TJ on the stage to preach. First time for everything. But a couple years back, God promised us expansion. Everything from that moment until now has been about expansion. And for some of us, we think, oh, that means a bigger building. Maybe, maybe not. For some of us, that may mean more than one location. Maybe, maybe not. But I can tell you what it definitely means. Spiritual expansion in every individual life. But God cannot trust us with expansion when we're living with a closed hand in selfishness. He can only trust us to expand when we're wide open, not self-protecting. So expansion comes when we live in unity. If you're going through it, I'm going through it. That's how that works. Not, hey, I want y'all to help me pray. Pastor John's going through it. Let me just tell you. No, no. If he's going through it, I'm going through it. Philip, if you're going through something, Pastor John and I are going through it with you. We don't need to know what it is, but we're going through it with you. When we start living this way, and we start opening up our lives and saying, I don't need credit, I don't need notoriety, I don't need to do it my way. I'm just going to overflow what's been poured into me. Jesus says, now I can trust you with reaching out beyond where you are. Now you can go from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now you can go across the aisle to that family that's fallen apart. Now you can go across the country to that family that's fallen apart. Now you can go to that other country and plant a church because you're living in a place where you recognize me as your source. You see, here's what community is really all about. Getting out of the way and making room for Jesus to be the source. Because when you're connected to him, it's not even difficult to connect with other believers. This makes sense this morning? Are y'all ready for the next? It's going to get funky. Are you sure you're ready for the next? Like George Clinton funky. It's about to get really, if you don't know who that is, you don't know funk. I'm just saying. God is getting ready to do something radical. So here's what I want us to do. Any radical people in the house with me? Philip, you told me a couple years ago that radical was your favorite series we ever did. Are are you ready to get radical? Are you sure? You got a new truck. You ready to be radical with your new truck? Okay, stand to your feet. Anybody going to be radical with Philip? Veronica's radical. Anybody else going to be radical? Michael, you radical? Cam, you radical? Davlin, you ready to be radical? Miss Fran, you going to be radical? Y'all ready? Oh, my God, Morgan's going to be radical. God is moving. We're going to have a revival. Are you sure? Are you sure? Like, 
If you're not, it's cool. It's, it's totally cool. You might not be ready. But if you're ready, God's going to fill you up so you can overflow. So when you take this step of faith, I want you to start looking, God, who am I supposed to serve this week? Who in my family? Don't go to work and do it. Start right here in the family. Because you see, that, that's easy. This is where he teaches us how to do it. I, I want you to say, God, who in my family is hurting that I can meet the need? So here's how we're going to do it. Everybody together. Everybody hand, lift your hands. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, we repent of thinking that we are our source. We repent of thinking that we have what we need. Lord, we repent of thinking that we are the author and the finisher of our faith. So right now, God, we surrender everything that we are for everything that you are. God, we empty ourselves of us. Lord, we empty ourselves of our opinions. God, we empty ourselves of our own personal thoughts and our own personal agendas. And we lay them at your feet, God, because we want to make room for you to move in our lives. In Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's pray together. Just begin to make a dedication to him right now. Begin to clear out those spaces in your life, those secret places that you've held for him, that you've held back from him. Say, God, just come on in. Say, I will make room. And I will make